So, so the parsha begins with the words "Vahaya Akev." Akev becomes the name of the parsha, and it means heal. Akev means a heal. You you may have be familiar with the famous teaching with the difference between Yaakov and Yisrael, the two names of the Jewish people. That Yisrael has in it the word Rosh. Yisrael has Rosh, which means head. And Yaakov has in it the word Akiv, which means heel, and represents the two sides of the Jewish people. And that each and each each one of us are uh, di different sides to our personalities, different sides to our Jewish identity, different sides to the powers of our soul. Yisrael. Um, can be compared to Shabbat, right? How you feel on Shabbat, you're on top of the world, you're in your spiritual zone, and on during the week, Akev, you're in the so-called real world, which is represented by the heel. You're in the kind of a, a lower place. It also has to do with the word Vayakveni, as Asaph said, trickery. In other words, you're engaged in something that's um, not the real you. You're engaged in supposedly mundane things, but for a ulterior motive. It's kind of a trickery of sorts. And this all ties in very much with what we talked about last week, the difference between hearing and seeing. It's very interesting. We had in last week's Parsha, the word Shema. Uh, we read it yesterday in the Shul. The word Shema Yisrael, Hashem Hashem Echad. And there's a lot in the Parsha about hearing and listening as opposed to being able to see. And we talked about the, dif the difference between them. In short, when you see something, it's very clear. It's indisputable. Nobody can argue with you about it. On the other hand, it's something that you didn't really work for. And you didn't really work to attain that vision. It's something that's revealed to you. Whereas hearing and listening and trying to get to, to learn by listening and, and understanding and using your own efforts, it's kind of like the difference between um, watching the movie and reading the book. Or, or hearing the story on the radio, using your own mind, you're enga more engaged in the effort to grasp the subject. And so throughout these parshas, starting with we last week, we have the Moshe talking about seeing and the advantages of seeing and also the advantages of hearing or the limitations and, and challenges of only hearing about something. And in general, that's considered the state of exile, that in the state of exile, we're only about God. We're only hearing about divinity and the Torah and, and all, all that good stuff. And it's in the times of Mashiach or in the times when the temple is standing that we have vision. We're able to see here the times of the desert. We're seeing the miracles. And I pointed out yesterday that the word Shema, which is our you know main prayer of the day or main state. Shema, which means word Shema, in some Sidurim, some prayer books, it preserves that as it's written in the Torah. Um, the Ayin, the, the last letter of the word Shema, is written large. Anybody ever notice that? The, the Ayin of Shema is written large? What is Ayin? Ayin, the letter Ayin, the word Ayin means I. 
the 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 eye. And so within the Shema, and this is the beautiful thing. So if you if, if you look at the parshas, Veschanan talks about listen, seeing versus versus listening. That Moshe wanted to convey upon the people the benefit of being able to see God as he did. But God says, no, you're going to go into the land. It's going to be in a way of of hearing. In this parsha, how does it start off? You will heed these ordinances. So in the English here, heed, you don't get the, the, the Hebrew, which is tishmun again, listening, hearing. But then what's next week's parsha? Next week's parsha is re'e. Re'e means to see. So it comes, it comes full, full circle. Moshe tries to imbue sight into the Jewish people, the gift of vision and clarity. God says it's going to have to go through the process of listening with a little bit of detachment and, and having to dig into oneself to gain that the grasp of the knowledge. But what happens in the end, and that's represented in this Parsha, which talks about Tishmun listening, hearing. But in next week's Parsha, it gets to seeing that ultimately when you go through the exilic period, both in Jewish history, but also in your own life, right? if you're able to stick with the program, when you can only hear, it's a little bit more distant, and you're able to stick with the program, you get to a level of sight, an even higher level of sight um, than you would have gotten to without going through that process of hearing. And it reminded me of what it says in Pirkei Avot, in Ethics of the Fathers, anyone who keeps the Torah, somebody who keeps the Torah out of poverty, in the end, he will fulfill the Torah out of wealth. So on the simplest level that the mission is promising, well, if a person, God forbid, poor, he still keeps the Torah, he's going to end up uh, uh, keeping the Torah out of wealth. Wonderful. Sounds great. But there's also a deeper meaning, which is that poverty and wealth in that Mishnah is not referring to physical poverty and wealth, but rather to spiritual poverty. That if a person is experiencing spiritual poverty, he's not feeling it, quote unquote, as they say, but sticks with the program and and continues doing what he knows to be right, even in that state of spiritual poverty, he is assured that he will come to a state of spiritual wealth, meaning that he will see it, he will feel it, and he will come to that through that state. So that reminded me of this here, this teaching of Hasidus, of what's going on in the Parshas here, this talk about Moshe wanting to imbue vision, and his, his, his desire and prayer is fulfilled to some extent. The Parshas talking about listening, our parsha talking about listening, Ekev Tishmun, and finally in next week's parsha, a getting to the site after the vision. So that's just a quick general overview of the of the beginning of the parsha, the theme of the parsha, and what will actually a, a little uh, teaser for for next week as well. Let's look at the verses themselves. Vahoya Ekev Tishmun. What does Ekev mean? So Ekev means if, if you will listen, then all this good stuff is going to happen. But as Rashi will point out, the word akev is an unusual word for if. The typical word for if is what? Im. Like you have every day in, 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 uh, in the Shema, right? Vahaya im shamoa. And it will be if you will listen. And this is almost the exact same thing where it says vahaya akev tishmun. It will be if you will listen. But instead of saying im, the more typical word, it uses the word akev. And as Rashi will say, akev means heal. And let's jump to Rashi. If you will listen and heed the mitzvot hakalot, kalot are what people in people's minds view as minor mitzvot, eh, not that important. And he says, yeah, those are those I'll, I'll, I'll trample on. 
meaning not take seriously. And so it's the, the word akev, heel, alludes to these mitzvahs that people typically trample with their heels. They don't consider it to be important. If you will keep those mitzvot, even those mitzvot meaning, then all of these blessings will occur. So what are they? If you will keep the heed. Um, <clears throat> these laws, and you, uh, so God will, will keep the promise, the covenant, the kindness that he promised to your forefathers. Verse 13, he will love you, he will bless you and bless, I'm going to go quickly here, bless your your animals, your land. Verse 14, you will be blessed from all the nations. You will not have any barrenness in your nation. God will remove, verse 15, will remove all illness and all the illnesses that you've known in Egypt will not will not be placed upon you. He and God will place them upon your enemies. You will consume the nations that God has given to you and do not worship their gods. They are a, a snare for you. Now here in verse 17, the Torah talks about the fear that the Jewish people might be feeling, which is they're going into the land of Israel. They say, you'll say in your heart, Rabbim ha-goyim I'm overwhelmed. These goyim, these nations are much more numerous than I. We're, this is the Jewish nation. Uh, we don't even know how to shop at Home Depot and we're surrounded by all of these nations. How will I be able to drive them out? Says the Torah, and this is a lesson for all time. Do not let your fears get a hold of you. Do not fear. Remember what God did for you to Paro and Egypt. And this is 40 years later, but still, our capacity to forget. We've seen miracles in our own lives. And yet, when we're faced with a new challenge, we forget about the miracles of the past and we're overwhelmed. God says, don't forget. Remember what happened with Paro and to Egypt. I want to say that, that um, just to step back for a second and, and try to understand the fear of the Jewish people. Um, the, you know, the, the place they were going to, the land of Canaan, they, the, the kings there, I mean, these were formidable kings. And it's like saying that some uh, a ragtag nation from the desert is going to come in and, and take over America. For example, if somebody told us, you know, the famous joke with Sharon, <laughs> attack America. And then when we lose, we're going to get uh, the reparations. But what if we win? Right. So this is where the Jewish people are coming. They're going in. It's not just, you know, we look at the land of Canaan. Well, who knows what was going on over there? But at that time, Canaan, it was a very mighty, uh, serious place. And so in their minds, how are we going to be able to conquer that? So God is telling them, don't be afraid. Moshe is telling them, don't be afraid. Remember what God did to Pharaoh in Egypt, the great miracles that you saw over there, and, um, and don't be afraid. Furthermore, God talks about this hornet that is going to be going in with them and attacking their enemy. Don't be afraid. Jumping to verse 22, God will drive out those nations from before you little by little. Why little by little? So that the animals, the beasts, don't take over the land. And you will place your kings, verse 24, place their kings into your hands. And nobody will stand before you. You've got to get rid of all their idols. Don't, verse 26, don't bring any of this abomination into your house. Don't be, in other words, again, um, the people may have been very impressed with this. Even if they conquer them, they want to keep some of their culture, their idolatry, bring it to their house. This was, you know, probably had some good expensive idols. And they says, no, this is, this is disgusting to you. And so we'll pause there. Um, actually do one more verse, very interesting Rashi, verse one says, call ha-mitzvah, uh, you shall keep all the mitzvahs. So here again, call ha-mitzvah, all the mitzvah. Rashi's first interpretation is that that means keep all of the mitzvahs 
and you will be blessed. Rashi says, keep shuto. But then he cites a medrash that said, that teaches an important lesson. If you start a mitzvah, so call a mitzvah in the second interpretation means do the entire mitzvah. So call could either mean do all the mitzvahs or it can mean do the entire mitzvah. If you start a mitzvah, it means mitzvah my mother used to tell us this all the time. We start clearing the table. You started the mitzvah, you get to finish it. We used to argue, no, we did already did a little bit of it. Let somebody else do it. So she would quote this Rashi. If you started a mitzvah, finish it. Because, Rashi says, when another, whoever finishes the mitzvah, whoever gets it done, the mitzvah, they get the credit for it. How do we know this? We know this from the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua says that the bones of Yosef that the Jewish people brought up from Egypt, they buried in Shechem, today called Nablus. Rashi says, why does it say that the Jewish people in plural, they brought the, the bones of, of Joseph out of Egypt? True, they brought it into Israel, but who brought the bones of Joseph out of Egypt? It was Moshe by himself. There's a famous Midrash that everybody was busy with their own things. And Moshe was the one who started the mitzvah to take the bones of Moshe out of Egypt. But nevertheless, who gets the credit? Moshe did not have a chance. Didn't have the capacity to finish the mitzvah because he wasn't allowed to go into the land of Israel. So who finished it? The Jewish people? So if in the case of Moshe, where he, it wasn't even his fault, he couldn't, I mean, I guess you could, say, you could say it was his fault. He couldn't go into the land of Egypt, but he was... You know, he could not bring him into the land of Israel because of the decree uh, against him. Certainly, if a person fails to finish a mitzvah and somebody else finishes it, that's going to go to the credit of the person who finishes it. And I think, perhaps, the idea there is that there's always an excitement to something when you first start it. Everybody's very excited. And then, as the time wears on, the initial excitement of the mitzvah wears off. And so it's, can you stick with it? even when it's not so exciting. And that's where the mitzvah is most, uh, the, 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 the credit for the mitzvah goes to those who can stick with it and finish the job. We'll pause there and open it to questions and comments. Going once. <laughs> Anybody know what the what the minor mitzvahs that people um, trample upon with their feet, with their heels are? In the commentary here in, in the uh, the art scroll, Rashi Chumash, he cites from the Maharik two examples. One of them he says. He says, uh, rejoicing on festivals. People would think is a minor mitzvah. Not sure why. And speaking in the holy tongue. These are two examples that he gives. And to me, it always thought like, uh, well, mitzvahs, yes. So mitzvahs that people trample upon. Shatnas. Shatnas? The minor. I would think it's a minor uh, commandment. Right. Shatnas, yeah, just, you know, what could it be already? Nobody could, it's not, it's invisible. Um, what would you say is a major mitzvah? Don't, don't. Um, Do not murder. 
Do not murder idols. Idol idol worship would certainly right. be a big one. That's a big one. Right. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Another wonderful Parsha. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you.